Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to Exodus chapter 3. Remain standing if you're physically able to do so. Exodus chapter 3, if you would. And we're going to look at a message entitled, Excuses. In Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read Exodus 3 all the way down through Exodus 4. So follow along, if you would, as we read the Word of God. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mount of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. 
And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God and of uh, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and have seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them on your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto me. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Amen. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass that they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign. They will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses says unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, It is not Aaron the Levite thy brother. I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put, the wor- and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even, uh, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take, his, take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee. And return unto the brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And so Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all the wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. And I will harden his heart, that he shall not let let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou wilt refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of circumcision, because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and he met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke, spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their afflictions, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to look into your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow after the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the two that were baptized this morning. Lord, I pray that we would see many more baptized and saved. Lord, as I pray every day, I pray that you would add daily unto your church such as should be saved here at this local body. And Lord, I pray that you would help us spiritually to follow after Jesus Christ. To not just take principles from the word of God, but to follow the person. I thank you for how you have blessed us up to this point. Be with those who cannot be with us today. I ask, Lord, that you would keep them and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many in here, by a raise of hands, how many in here have ever 
made up an excuse to get out of doing something? Raise your hand. Yeah. I think we all have, haven't we? Yeah. We've all made up excuses to get out of doing something that we didn't want to do. And I was reading online some of the funniest excuses from people. This one's called Back to Life. When our new hire did not show up for work, I called her. She explained that her mother had passed away and that she would need a few days off for her bereavement. Of course, I said. A week went by and she still hadn't returned to work, so I called again. This time she said that she had good news and bad news. The good news is her mother had come back to life. The bad news is that her mother was sick again, so she had to stay home with her. I really thought that was funny. You guys didn't think that. I mean, (laughs) all right, well, that's a pretty poor excuse, isn't it? How about this? You can't lie to family. My cousin once called out of work because of a death in the family. The problem was I was her boss. One employee said this. They could not come into to work because they got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store and could not get out. Another employee called in and said, look, I cannot come into work because I accidentally got on a plane. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And one last one was entitled Family Ties. An employee said that they had to attend the, the uh, funeral of his wife's cousin's pet because he was an uncle and a pallbearer. <laughs> now, now, when we listen to those excuses, we find that, that, that they're pretty ridiculous. And then not only that, but to me, if I had an employee that would call and give me that type of excuse, that really tells me what they think of me as an employer, you know, <laughs> I mean, do they really think that their boss, their employer, would, would believe such nonsense? You know, the, these excuses, they're not plausible or even legitimate. You would say, I can't believe somebody would do that. But you know what I find interesting is that we also offer illegitimate excuses. But we offer them to God. We offer illegitimate excuses to God when when he wants us to do something that we necessarily don't want to do. We all have. We all have done that. It's one thing to offer an inexcusable or really a, a faulty excuse to an employer. We would look at it and say, what's that person thinking? That is nonsense. You got to be kidding me. It's one thing to look at that, but how about us to take a, 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 that we take a look at our own life and see the excuses that we offer to Almighty God? See, God here in this portion of Scripture is calling and commissioning Moses. He's calling and commissioning Moses for an assignment. And what we find is that Moses is making some excuses to get out from underneath the assignment that God has arranged for him. This is what I want you to remember. 
God's arrangement for you is your assignment from him. God's arrangement is your assignment. So God's arrangement for you is God's assignment from him. See, and there are two certainties that I want us to take a look at in this passage. And in this portion of Scripture, as I mentioned, we encounter the call and the, the commission of Moses. And God desired for Moses to be able to lead the people of Israel out of slavery. If you remember with me, Moses in his younger years, he thought that he was more than adequate to be able to lead his people. It was almost like when Moses went out and he slayed that Egyptian when he saw him uh, beating on an Israelite. It was almost like Moses went out and said, hey, God, I just want to let you know I got this. We see that he murdered a man and we find that Moses becomes a miserable failure. He was a murderer and he was a fugitive on the run from the authorities of Egypt. In his younger years, he thought he was more than adequate. I can do this for you, God. But now, 40 years later, he's 80 years old, and he, he realizes, Moses realizes his inadequacies. And he's trying to use them to be able to keep from fulfilling the assignment that God had arranged for him. He's using now the opposite of what he used before. God, I'm going to help you out. <laughs> I, I can be able to lead these people. Now he's saying, God... I'm, I'm too inadequate. I can't. And in both instances, we see that Moses, if he were to continue in this direction, would be a failure. You know what Moses is actually saying to God? I'm not usable. I've blown it. God, you don't understand. You're dealing with a murderer here. You're dealing with a fugitive I see my inadequacies. You can't use me. Take a look at uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses was trying to prove to God. You ever try to prove to God something? Yes, you can shake your head yes because you all have. Yes, you have. You've tried to prove to God's uh, God's. You've tried to prove to God something. You say, what do you mean? How about by excuses? We've all tried to prove to God by excuses. And Moses is trying to prove to God that he has the wrong man for the job. I remember when I was in Bible college in Florida, I knew that God had called me into the ministry and to pastor but I didn't want to. I didn't want a pastor. And so this is what I did. I went to Bible college, and I said, God, I'll be a history and a PE teacher in a Christian school. That's what I'm going to do. And so when I got there as a, a freshman, I started to sign up for my classes, and, and they said, well, what, what would you like your major to be? History and PE. But God was telling me, I want you to pastor. God, you got the wrong man for the job. 
I'm not going to pastor, but I will still serve you. See, that's how we try and make excuses to God. God, God. You know that God wants you in a specific area. You know that God wants you to give a certain amount. You know that God wants you to share the gospel. You know. But then what we do is we try and soft coat and say, God, you really have the wrong person. It's false humility, actually, what it is. We're trying to tell God that you've got the wrong person here, God. And so, therefore, we make a deal with God and we tell him that you've got the wrong person for the job. And Moses responds to the commissioning to God five times. Five times. He says, the first thing, in verse 11, he says, who am I? Who am I? In verse 11, you know what he's basically saying? I'm inadequate. I want you to think about what Moses is actually saying here. You know what he's telling God? God, it's only the gifted people that can serve you. It's only the the bright people that can serve you. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 because that's a lie that the devil wants you to believe, that it's only the gifted that can serve, that it's only the intelligent people that can serve. It's only the talented people that can serve. I'm inadequate, God. Who am I? And that is contrary to Scripture. Take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul speaking here to the church of Corinth. He says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty Not many noble are called. Huh. Moses just told God that really when you say I'm not adequate enough, really God, it's only the gifted people that can do that. It's only the smart people. Paul says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound that which are mighty. And the base things of the world and that which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God, I just can't. I'm just not adequate enough. I'm not trained enough. I don't know enough. Let me tell you something, friend. No, No person. Listen to this. Listen to this. No person, no matter how capable, gifted, fit, talented, can adequately serve God. I don't care if you're the brightest person in this room and have the highest IQ in the world. We are never adequately fit to serve God. See, this is one of the significant lies that Satan uses in your life to keep you from fulfilling your God-given assignment. But not only does he say, who am I? He says, secondly, in in verse 13, he says, who are you? Who are you? Take a look at verse uh, 13 of Exodus chapter uh, 13. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Who are you? You know what he's saying? I don't know enough, God. I don't know enough. 
Moses was saying, I I just don't know enough about who you are, God. Who can I tell them that you are? Take a look at Philippians chapter 3, if you would, please, if you would. Moses first says, who am I? I'm inadequate. Secondly, he says, who are you? I I don't know enough about you, but take a look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. These are the excuses that Moses is giving. Remember, God's assignment, uh, God's arrangement is your assignment. Moses, uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Friends, listen, the highest calling of a Christian is to know God. That's an ongoing quest. And just like Moses, we know enough about God to trust him. We may not know all that we need to know about God, but we do know enough about God to be able to trust him so the excuse doesn't hold up. You say, I just don't know if I can trust him. Have you trusted him with your soul? Have you trusted him with your soul? If you've trusted him with your soul, can you not trust him with your health? Can you not trust him with your job? Can you not trust him with your family? Can you not trust him with your kids? Can you not trust him with your grandkids? Can you not trust him with your finances? Can you not trust him with sharing the gospel? If you trust him with your eternal soul, uh, I just don't know enough about you, God. See, the real reason Moses was asking this question is because he was afraid that the people of Israel will reject him. And many believers avoid taking action on their God-given assignment because they lack information. They lack knowledge or they lack training. And I'm all for training. I'm all for knowledge. I'm all for education. But my friends, some of the greatest preachers down throughout the world were never educated people, but they just opened up the word of God and said, thus saith the Lord. You realize Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, who influenced millions upon millions upon millions of people, was never formally educated? D.L. Moody, who led over a million people to, to the Lord Jesus Christ in his lifetime, was never formally educated. I'm not against education. I think that we ought to be educated. We ought to know our Bible inside and out. But just because a person may not be trained does not mean that God cannot use them because you do know enough about God. You know that you can trust him. You know that you can look to him. You know that he will bring you through. But it's more about, I'm just afraid that they'll reject me. What's the third excuse that he gives? What if they don't believe me or listen to me? Take a look at chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. You know what he's saying right here? What if they don't believe me or listen to me? I just don't trust your word, God. I just don't trust your word, God. See, the only way to classify this excuse is flat-out sin. Did you hear me? 
The only way to classify this excuse with Moses is flat-out sin. God, listen, God had already told Moses that he would bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? God's already said, I'm going to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. He said it in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He said it in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 20, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. God had already told Moses through his word that guess what? You will bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses is saying, well, what if they don't believe me or hear me? Three times. Three times. God told Moses that he would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses is doubting the very word of God. What about you? Say, what do you mean, Pastor? Where do you doubt the word of God? God says, financially, give unto him. It's COVID, Pastor. God didn't say if it's COVID, then you can let up on your giving. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on li limited income. I'm on Social Security. God didn't say if you're on Social Security, you, you could let up on your giving. God said, give unto me, and I will give unto you. Where do you doubt God's word? Pastor, I, I just, I, I can't share the gospel. Well, why not? I, I'm, just, I'm just too afraid. Well, last time I looked, I did find a verse in here where God said, if you're too afraid to share the gospel, you don't have to. And all God's people said... Yeah. Well, if you're too bad, if you just, what about people stuttered? Did they have to share the gospel? Yes. God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And in that portion of Scripture, he says, and I will be with you always. Can't believe Moses down God's word. He told him three times. Can't believe Christians today. God tells you, if you give, I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to provide for you. God tells us to go into all the world. How about do you doubt God's word with your direction? You know God wants you to go in this direction. You know God wants you to, uh, to work in this area of ministry. You know God wants you to serve here. But, Lord, Lord I, ju I just can't. There, there's better people here at Open Bible than, that could do that to me. See, it's very easy for us to point our finger at Moses, but what about us? See, what the Bible is revealing here is Moses' weakness and his unbelief. Then he goes on to say, take a look at uh, 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 Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. This is what he says. He says, I can't speak well. 
That's his next excuse. I can't speak well. Take a look at chapter 4 and verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. You know what he's saying? I'm not a gifted communicator. Well, guess what, folks? There are many, many men of God that can preach the Bible a whole lot better than I can. There are many men of God that are better communicators than I am. But this is what God's called me to do. So you're stuck with me. Okay? The simple fact of the matter is whether I can speak well or not is not the issue. If God has called me, then I do it. See, you know what he's saying? God, you didn't make me the right way. You didn't make me the right way. See, Moses is once again working on his inability to do what God has assigned him to do. But this is also a lie. When Moses says, I can't speak well, take a look at Acts chapter 7, if you would please. Because Stephen, one of the first deacons, says otherwise about Moses. Stephen says something about Moses in Acts chapter 7 and verse 21. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom. If anybody was qualified to lead, it was Moses. Look at this. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Now take a look. And was mighty in words and in deeds. You see what Stephen said about Moses? That he was well-spoken. God made Moses exactly fit for the task, and God has made you exactly fit for the task that he has for you. God's arrangement for you is your assignment from him. Here goes his fifth excuse. Send someone else. You know what he's saying here? Let's just, he, Moses is getting real honest with God now. I don't want to go. Send somebody else. Take a look at verse 13 of chapter 4. And he said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee. You know, it's interesting when he says, oh, my Lord. He's saying, Adonai. He's saying the, the, the sustainer, the sovereign God right here. That's what he said. Oh, God who's over all, controls all. What a hypocrite. They praise me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. Oh, the one who is over all, the creator of overall, the overall, the one who is, is sovereign, send somebody else. I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. I don't want to go. You know what Moses is basically saying? That he lacks courage to act. Moses is now out of excuses and he gets real with God. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do what you've asked me to do. And now God becomes angry at Moses. You can see this in verses 14 through 17. And what we do see is that, we, that God does allow Aaron to be able to speak for Moses. You say, oh, okay, well, Moses got what he wanted. Well, but that wasn't what God had designed for Moses and for the people. Aaron actually becomes a burden and an obstacle. He's a burden to Moses, and he's an obstacle to the people. 
You say, really? Yeah, you can find that in Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. Just one incident, it's called the golden calf. He became a burden to Moses and an obstacle to the people. You say, well, what's the point that we're drawing out of this? Write this down in your notes. Here's your first point. Your excuses to God does not negate your assignment from God. Your excuses to God does not negate your assignment from God. Just because you and I offer excuses about the arrangement and the assignment that God has given to us does not allow us to ignore what God has told us to do. Your excuses to God does not negate your assignment from God. That's the first certainty I want you to see this morning. But I want you to see something else because there's something that's very typical here in the life of the Christian. We go back and forth in our life, don't we? We go back and forth in our faith. Sometimes we're real strong in our faith and other times we're weak. And this is happening in the life of Moses. One moment he's trusting God and the next moment he's doubting. One moment we're trusting God and then the next moment we're doubting. You ever wonder why that's the case? Because we, we do exactly what Moses was doing. What was Moses doing? He was looking at himself. The reason we fluctuate in our faith, we go from faith to doubt, doubt to faith, is because we look at ourselves. Sometimes we'll say, well, I just don't know if I've got enough faith. I just don't know if I'm spiritual enough. I just don't know if I can do this. See, friends, the point is not, it's not about you. Hey, just to let you know, this church is not about you. It's not about you, about, well, what programs do you have for me? And what programs do you have for my kids? And what kind of music do you have for me? And what kind of me and, and me? This is not consumerism here. We're not here for that. We are here to worship the almighty God. That's what we're here for. We're here to lift up praises to him. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not here to make you feel good. I, I hope that you do feel good, but I'm just going to preach the word, you know. It'd be like the old Kentucky preacher say, I preach the word and thin the herd, you know. I'm just going to tell it the way that it is. And if you feel good, leave them wonderful. But if you don't feel good, maybe that's God's conviction on your heart. And so many times we, we start looking at ourselves. You say, well, Pastor, how do I have more faith? The way to have more faith is to have more God. What do you mean? The bigger God is in your eyes, the bigger your faith will be. The bigger God is in your eyes, the bigger your faith will be. What do you mean? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Moses was looking unto himself. I'm inadequate. I can't speak well. I stutter. I can't do this. What if they don't believe me? What if that excuse, 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 excuse. By the way, God, I just don't want to. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, the way to have more faith is to look to God. Matter of fact, this is how doubt and fear are reduced and even removed. So then Moses, God tells Moses to do something. 
In verse 3 of chapter 4, he says, take your rod and throw it on the ground. Now, what I find interesting is Moses does that. I can't help but think that Moses probably says, hmm, I can do that. I, I can do that. I, I, can, I can take my rod and I can, I can throw it on the ground there. I can do that. Pretty interesting, isn't it? I'll do what, you, what, what I think that I can do for you, God, when you tell me to do it. Hmm. He does throw it on the ground and it turns into a snake and then Moses takes off like any logical person would. <laughs> God tells Moses, hey, come back here. Stop your running, son. Come back here and take the snake by the tail. You don't pick a snake up by the tail. You pick it up by the head. You never pick a snake up by the tail. That's illogical. But sometimes obedient faith is not logical. Sometimes obedient faith is not rational. Sometimes obedient faith does not make sense. Remember, folks, listen. God doesn't have to make sense to us in all that he asks us to do. God doesn't have to explain himself to us. And God tells Moses to pick up the snake by the tail, and he does, and it turns into a rod again. In verse 6 of chapter 4, God tells Moses to put his hand in his bosom, and he does that. Moses says, hey, I can do that. Huh. That's easy, God. I, I can do that for you. I can get that done for you, God. I, I'm able to do that. I can put my hand right in there. That's, that's no problem, God. And he pulls it out and becomes leprous. Leprosy was a disease that would eat the flesh. There are other, other diseases that would be considered leprous at that time. Just for basic knowledge, that's basically what it is. And God tells Moses, put your hand back in. He puts it back in and it becomes like his other flesh. You say, what's the point of those two things? What are you trying to get at? See, friends, what we do is we don't mind doing for God what we feel that we can accomplish for God. But what God was trying to teach Moses was that, guess what? You can't turn a rod into a snake on your own. You need even my help to be able to do that. You can't make your skin whole again. You need the, my power even to be able to do that. And God lets Moses know of one other miracle that Moses will do when he gets to Egypt. God says, I want you to take the water out of the Nile, and then I want you to take it and I want you to pour it, and once it hits the ground, it will turn to blood. You say, what's the overarching principle here that God's trying to teach? What we're learning is that God gives us his word before he reveals to us his power. God gives us his word before he reveals to us his power. So what do you mean, Pastor? What, what is the scriptures trying to teach me here? That we are to step out in obedient faith and then his power is revealed. See, many times we want to see God's power first and then we're willing to be obedient. See, God, if you just show me how you're going to be able to take care of me and provide for me, if you just show me that, then I will. No, 
God says, I want you to be obedient first, then I will. See, the Christian life doesn't work that way where God will show his power and then, then we step out in obedient faith. That's not obedient faith. I, I want to give you a Bible illustration of this. How many know the story of the city of Jericho? You know that story. Slip your hand up if you know that story. Yeah. When did the walls come down? Did they come down before the children of Israel marched around for a week or after? It was after. It did not make sense, military sense, to march around in total silence around a city every day for seven days. God, that's not how you win a battle. That's not how you take a city. That's not how you do it, God. We need to set ambushes. We need to make sure that we got the military power. We, we need to make sure that we've got the, the financing behind this. We need to make sure that, that we've got the certain personnel in place. We need to make sure that we've got the sergeants and generals and all these different people in place. And God says, no, I just want you to march around the city quietly, not saying a word, just march around the city then on the seventh day, do it seven times. And after you do it seven times, I want every, the, the, the singers to be able to blow their trumpets, Levites, blow their trumpets and shout. And then the walls are going to come down. That's called obedient faith. See, obedient faith, it can be risky, it can be dangerous, and it can even be illogical. But obedient faith is what we're called to do, what we're called to have. Now, I didn't say perfect faith because Moses didn't have perfect faith. Moses' faith was not perfect. Our faith is not perfect. But he ended up being obedient. You say, how do you know that? Because in chapter 4, verses 28 through 31, it shows us that Moses ended up doing what God told him to do. See, Moses' faith was not perfect, and our faith is not perfect. But that's, listen, that's the reason for the cross. The reason for the cross of Jesus Christ is to show us what obedient faith looks like. Jesus is the perfect example of obedient faith. You know, in the Old Testament, the gospel, if you will, everybody got saved the same way. They looked towards the cross. We look back at the cross. But in the gospel, the sign of, if you will, salvation I'm using that very broadly, okay, was the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it was passed down through Abraham to the patriarchs, now to Moses, and then to the people of God. But what we find here is that Moses was not faithful to the covenant. Take a look at verses 24 through 26. Chapter 4, and it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. I believe it was his son that he's speaking of there. It could be Moses or his son. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. Then, so, so he let him go. 
Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. You say, what are you talking about? What is this talking about? It's talking about the perfect, obedient faith of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the sign, the outward sign was circumcision. And it was through the shedding of blood there. And it shows us that God was serious about sin and knowing the the weight of sin. See, circumcision at that point was the sign that the parents' faith in the promises of God that he had given to Abraham that all the world would be blessed. That's what he's saying. And that blessing would be through the birth, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the problem was Moses was not passing the gospel covenant onto his family. And my friends... The point is that is inside the covenant, there is life and forgiveness. Outside the covenant, there is judgment and death for everybody. The outward sign that they were carrying on the faith was circumcision of the male child. That was in the Old Testament. Today, the outward sign of an inward faith is baptism, just what we saw this morning. That's when one makes a public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wanted Moses to have an obedient faith. Okay, so what's the second certainty? Here it is. You can put this in your notes and we're done. Your exercise in obedient faith to God is your assignment from God. Your exercise in obedient faith to God is your assignment from God. See, I can't sit here and tell you, well, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, you need to be doing that. That's not my responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. You need to give this much. You need to share the gospel this many times. That's not my responsibility as a pastor. What my responsibility as a pastor is, is to encourage you to be obedient in your faith because obedient faith is your assignment from God. So guess what? When it works itself out, it may look different for different people. It may be that for some, obedient faith may be a a connection group leader. For others, it could be that obedient faith is singing in the choir. For some, it may be obedient faith is being able to uh, minister in a hospital people. For others, it may be obedient faith is to be able to have uh, uh, people that they go visit in jail. For uh, I don't know what your obedient, uh, specific working out of your obedient faith is, but I can tell you this much. Everybody underneath the sound of my voice, your assignment from God is to have obedient faith. That's your assignment. Now, how it works itself out is between you and God. What areas of your life are you making excuses? Yeah, but pastor, if I do this, it's going to cost me. I wonder what it's going to cost you if you don't do it. What excuses are you making? Secondly, is your life marked by obedient faith? See, God's arrangement is your assignment. 
God's arrangement is your assignment. See, you've got to decide this morning if you're going to be God of your life or if God's going to be God of your life. Did you hear me, church? You've got to decide whether you're going to be God of your life or whether God's going to be God of your life. Is there disobedience in your life? You say, Pastor, well, yeah, there has it. Guess what? Listen, let me, let me put you at ease. Everybody here has been disobedient to God at one time or another. That's not an excuse to continue in your disobedience. But just so that that way you don't think anybody's on their hobby horse, their high, you know, pharisaical horse, well, bless God. Everybody in here has been disobedient to God at one time or another. Should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid, okay? So if you're in a state of disobedience to God, my plea to you is become obedient. Maybe it's not disobedience, but it's this. Hey, Buford, I want you to take the trash out. Yeah, I will. Ten minutes later, hey, Buford, I want you to take the trash out. Yeah, I, I will, Mom. And 15 minutes after that, you see Buford starting to shuffle over to the closet or wherever the trash is to be able to take it out. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? Is it delayed obedience? Delayed obedience isn't Okay. my assignment and your assignment is obedient faith. The only other option is excuses or delay. I want to ask you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anyone in here that does not know Christ as our personal Savior? I spoke at the very end about perfect obedience when Christ died on the cross. My obedience isn't perfect. Your obedience isn't perfect. That's why we have the cross. And if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, this is how you can be obedient to God today. You can say, Pastor, I'm not quite sure that I'm saved, but I would like somebody to be able to share with me how I can know for sure that I'm going to heaven. If that's you this morning, would you please slip up your hand if that's you? You say, Pastor, I'm not quite sure but I'd like to at least investigate it. I'd like to hear a little bit more about Jesus and the gospel. Is there anybody like that? Just put up your hand. Then by your own testimony, everyone in here is saying that they know the Lord. I hope that's the case. 
I wish that there were people here this morning that did not know the Lord. But maybe if you're online today and you don't know the Lord, you would come to know him today. We can help you with that as well. But those who are here in the sanctuary, you say that you know the Lord. Are you making excuses? Are you being disobedient? Are you delaying in your obedience? Or are you walking in obedient faith? Moses, he ended up walking in obedient faith. He had to get his eyes off himself and back on the God. You say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in some way this morning. And I don't need to know if it's disobedient faith or delayed or, or, you're, or God just encouraged you through walking uh, in obedient faith. You feel that you're walking with the Lord the way you should be. But if the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart in you some way, you say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and I would just ask that you would pray for me. Just slip up your hand if you would. Just slip up your hand. God spoke to my heart. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. Anybody else, you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Just please pray for me. God bless you. Just put them up, put them down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask that you just make your pew your altar this morning. As Carrie is playing the imitation time, I'm going to ask that you spend some time in prayer. If you've been disobedient, confess it. If there's delayed obedience, confess it. If you need to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. I know what you want me to do. I know what you want me to give. I know where you want me to go. I am doing it. I'm surrendering to you. No more disobedient or delayed obedience. Or maybe this morning you're walking in obedience with the Lord. I praise God for that. Maybe you just want to say, Lord, keep my heart soft and tender so that I'll stay obedient to you. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and then you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done, is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done in this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.